when they like stick two fingers in their mouth and they whistle those, really loud. Somehow? I always think of like spiders when they do that. You know, <laughs> I don't know why. Like when oh, they, like man, they yeah, look like yeah, mandibles. It's got like those proboscis like mandible things. Yeah. That's what I think of. When Put I, that closer to your face. Put hey, <laughs> my hands or my or my uh, microphone. Yeah, stick your fingers in your mouth and start whistling. What's isn't there a there's like some sort of song that I remember that, that has whistles? that. No, it's like put that thing back in your face, and it's like uh, I don't know where I heard it, but I remember. Or so help me. What is that from? What is that? I don't know why I remember that. <laughs> wow, you triggered like something that was in my brain. It's like it's like you know when people, oh, dude. <laughs> you know when people remember, um, they remember things based on the smell. Yeah, I re- I can hear it in my head. It's like. Put that thing back where it came from. Or so oh, help so me. Help me. Yeah, so yeah. Me. Da, da, da. What is that? It. I don't know. Wow. I can't think of it right now. I'm not. Uh, future, future me. Find it and put it in right now. Put that thing back where it came from. Oh, so help me. So help me. So help me. Goodbye. Okay, wow, that's going to bother me. Like for Oh, oh. That's, it's from Monsters, Inc. Remember, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's from yeah, Monsters, yeah. Inc. Remember when they... were they, singing it to Boo, right? Yeah, yeah. When they, know, was that their little show that they tried to do? They were trying to sing it to Boo because she took something and they were trying to tell her to put that thing back. Oh, yeah. But they were also like being watched by everyone else and so they had to turn it into like a song. Oh, oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Monsters, yeah. Inc., I haven't seen Monsters University. Did you you haven't? No. It was pretty good. Was it good? Yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was wasn't... That, you don't watch it for like, you know, brilliant movie making, yeah. but it was fun. Like, Didn't they... Wasn't the whole premise of it that they released it at this time because like us we were kids when monsters inc came out so by the time monsters university came out we were all college age also that's i don't what know I, that's why it mean, sounds like a good idea but i don't know fact. huh that was a fun movie in general yeah. i think like it, it's kind of like it was almost a cash grab but not too much monsters inc yeah no monsters monsters university oh, oh. monsters inc was brilliant yeah. that was a great movie i'm glad to be brought back to that by that really weird reference <laughs> Yeah. You're the one who started it. God, yeah, it was another just... another fun little fact is that Monsters Inc. You know the whole thing about how all the Pixar movies are used to display their newest technology. Yeah, um, Monsters Inc. I think was hair, like hair particles. Oh, hair particles because when you zoom in on Sully, yeah, he has like a ton of fine fibers and stuff yeah. for his fur. So that was the first time when they had their sick hair physics and stuff. That's true. Yeah, because huh, Finding Nemo is water. Uh, water effects. They actually had to tone it down because they said it looked too real at first. Dang. And then Toy Story, I think, was like faces. Yeah. There was expressions. I was listening to a podcast that was talking about like Toy Story, the like the nineteen is it ninety eight when it came out, Toy something Story? like that. Yeah, yeah the original like early nineties. Or they were talking about like they wanted to do uh they wanted to do faces, but they they couldn't get it so that it could be human faces. They couldn't do that just well enough yet. So they used it on toys instead. Yeah. And toys were perfect because they were plastic. You could re- you could really get around all of the issues of trying to make skin yeah. by making it into like this plastic looking thing. That's pretty smart. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? Speaking of monsters, that will bring us back to our main topic, which is talking about creepy stuff. But anyways, welcome to episode 15 of the Actually Nothing podcast. I'm Aaron, that's JP. Should we do our little shout outs right Absolutely. away? Okay, so you, you go first because you said you wanted to give your shout out first. So I want to give a shout out to uh, to one of my good friends, Quinn David Furness, who's also the host of a fantastic podcast, the Beantown Podcast. <laughs> Finds it on uh, on Apple or Spotify or uh, SoundCloud, wherever you find your podcasts. I was recently on an episode where we talked about the NBA draft 
and I was a professional analyst on that episode. It it's honestly like a great episode. All of his episodes are excellent. Listen to it whenever you have the time. I'll put the links in into the description yeah. so you guys can go check that out. That's Quinn David Furness running the Bean Town podcast on anywhere you listen to podcasts that isn't Stitcher Premium because we're not there yet. But go give him a listen. He's a fantastic dude. He's super funny. Bean Town. Like, where did he come up with that name? You know, he had come up with the Bean Town name when he was in. He had moved to Baltimore to work um, to work for John Hopkins, and while when he was in Baltimore, he started this podcast called the Bean Town Podcast. Nice. Yeah, and so this this whole uh, project was born out of Baltimore and being there. And so now that he's back in Chicago. He's moved it down different Bean Town. We've got Cloud Atlas instead of you know whatever Bean Town means for Baltimore. But we have a Bean. Yeah, that's what I mean. So we have makes the, sense. Yeah, the actual Bean, yeah. which which is called Cloud Atlas for whatever. I think probably for its. That's like I feel like people things. who call it Cloud Atlas are the same people who now call the Sears Tower Willis Tower. You mean full of shit? Yes. Yeah. That's or right. not originally hailing from <laughs> yeah. around here. <laughs> Full of shit. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> but it's like, true though. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. But uh but listen to his podcast. Um he's been going on for a long time now and so there's plenty of stuff to choose from. I would start with mine because I'm funny. Are you the most recent episode? Yeah, I think so. I'm from I'm from last uh well, he puts one out every week and so he'll put he'll be putting one out on Saturday. Mm. So mine is from last Saturday. Okay. Yeah. I'll go find it and then I'll put that specific link solid then in the thing. Yeah. Cool. Cool. My shout out will go to Co will go to Co. uh Let's give it to my boy, Ryan. I've been hanging out with him a lot just because we live like two blocks away from each other. Fourth of July is coming up and I always spend it at his place. And he's my workout buddy. So we're always uh, keeping each other going to the gym and making sure that we're staying in shape. Which so, yeah. I need a lot sometimes because so many days I, I'm just like, I really don't want to go to the gym. But then he'll send me a text and be like, you want to go lift today? I'm like, I guess I should. And then once I actually get inside, then I'm like, all right, I'm here. So I might as well do it. That's one of my friends, Ryan. He he's like, "Do you want a gym today?" And I'm like, in my head, no. But it's just like now, that, now that I kind of have to. That one little impetus is like all you need to push yourself to go yeah, to exactly. the gym, right? What's what's with friends? Ryan's making us oh, work you're out, right? That's both Ryan's. Right. Oh my god! Maybe it's like a secret this. name that like rallies you to go be physically fit, active. Ryan Rally. Ryan Rally. It's got two letters that yeah. are the same. Right, that could be a superhero name. It's like Ryan Reynolds. That sounds like I'm pretty sure that was a bit when he was discussing what? his role as Deadpool. What do you mean? What like how Ryan Reynolds sounds like the name for That's a, true. a person who would be a superhero, like Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah. Just to use that sweet alliteration. I was gonna say, is it just alliteration that makes people superheroes? Uh, more Clark Kent. Clark I mean, Kent. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, guess right? so. Bruce Wayne. Uh, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Tony Talk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what would mine be? Aaron. Or Tante. Aardvark. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Something else, something John else with Paul two A's. Jelly Peanut Butter. Dang it. I mean, not too far away from what I was called in high school. Which Jelly may- Peanut Butter? Yeah, Peanut Butter. Yeah, something like that. Something with PB&J. Nice. Yeah, I mean, how else are you going to use it? Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> that brings, there's our little shout outs for you. You got any good segues into creepy with that? No, I was going to say... There were creepy villains in Batman. That's really tenuous. Yeah. I think that's great. That's about as good of a segue as I can get. You but, ever know any creepy people in high school? There's your segue. Like creepy, creepy as in like 
spooky looking kids or like creepy as in regular like socially awkward i'm really interested in these spooky looking kids (laughs) that you talk about yeah there was one kid who always floated three feet above the ground upside down and his head was turned around 180 degrees really yeah how do you get into classrooms uh backwards oh okay (laughs) because he had to (laughs) you know how they always have those like it's always a creepy long-haired girl that crawls through a hallway on all fours, but yeah, always yeah. like on the ceiling and stuff. Uh, uh, you know, like a la grudge. Yeah. Yeah. I, that shit always freaks me out. Yeah. I, I wonder why. Well, I mean, I don't wonder why. Well, it's when limbs obvious. bend in ways that they're not normally supposed to bend, that's probably why I don't like it. And that leads us into our first point, actually. Um, well, the first point that I had written down, but now is the third point. But uh, so, so that really reminds me of like the uncanny valley are you familiar with the uncanny valley i I am wait hold on before that i don't know if we already said it but the whole theme for today's episode is like creepy stuff because we just came off of like a 45 minute binge of watching scary stuff on youtube yeah but we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit but anyways continue but anyways i think yeah it really pans into the uncanny valley like we we see limbs and we see like hair and we see things that are part of like a human person, right? Yeah. But because they're placed in a, a position that isn't natural or is just slight, just so off that it you know fucks with it in a little bit of a way, it registers with us as being like super weird, not right, and being yeah totally incorrect. Like our, I had a friend who was talking about it, Richard. If you ever listen to this, is all about you. He goes. uh you, we see something that looks like what we're used to, but it's not. And then our ape brain goes, that's not right. And I should feel scared. Isn't that why we are really good at picking up faces and things that don't actually have faces? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think we're so accustomed to like picking out the patterns that yeah. when, when we see something that is just ever so off, we register it, but then it also registers as being not good. Mm. Like this is something we need to be wary of. So the uncanny valley, for those who don't know, is a sort of, it's like a scale, right? Like it's like a... There's like a diagram that shows why it's called the Uncanny Valley. Yeah. From what I remember. So yep. it's like, I don't remember if the X or Y axis is what they represent, but it's like at some point your perception registers something as fine. And then beyond that is like, it's still within the realm of possibility, but it's not quite right, which is where the graph dips. And then it goes back up, I think, which is back to like normal or hyperrealism yes. or something. Yes. But that dip in the graph is the uncanny valley because it looks like a valley between two mountains. Yeah. But that's a whole section where things are somewhat okay looking, but because they're off in some way, then that's why it's creepy. Yeah. It's like a, it's a, I I looked at it. It's like, um, the two, the two axes are like the Y axis is a lot is a likability from like negative hundred to a hundred. And then the X axis is like a mechano humanist, uh, humanness score. So it's like, you know, it's the, uh, what is it? Likeness to humans on the x-axis, and then their likability in terms of like, you know, how people yeah. feel towards it, and uh, and and it seems that like the general curve is in this sort of like uh, this two peaks in a valley sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it's it's that sort of thing where basically the you know closer to the closer to something uh, that something gets towards looking like human or looking like something that we're accustomed to, but then also with our understanding that it's not, um, that it's not actually human, the, you know, more propensity towards creepiness it has. And the creepiness factor goes up because of that. That's why, uh, what's his name? The little, the the bully kid in Toy Story looks so... Sid. Sid, yeah. He looks kind of creepy because you can tell that it's a human face, but since 
you already said they didn't perfect it yet. You there's it's like it's off, so it looks weird. Yeah, and that's like that's a part of the reason why like those earlier animated movies are actually super creepy is because of that. They're kind of eerie and they don't sit well, especially yeah. when when you're looking at toys, it's not anything because you know toys aren't real. And toys aren't animate. But when you look at the humans in that and their likeness towards the toys in that movie, it's super, like, fucked up almost. Yeah. Actually, one of them, the guy who did Toy Story, his name is Lannister, or, or is it, La- no, it's Lassiter. I was Lannister. Jamie Lannister. <laughs> Jamie Lannister, yeah. who Cut did Toy Story. Cut off his hand and then use it to animate. Yeah, stuff. yeah. <laughs> use the severed one. Yeah. Nah, uh, Lassiter. He had a movie called The Tin Toy. Um, that came up before Toy Story and it's got like a similar quality and character to Toy Story, mm-hmm. but it's really weird. And it's like, is this like pre Pixar? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crude. Okay. Everything about it is really weird. And like, there's a toddler in it that just looks Why do like I always have to top. throw creepy children in it? I don't know. There's something about children that's like also very creepy. Like I'm thinking about from the shining with those two twins. Oh yeah. But like the uncanny Valley really works in a bunch of different ways. And I've seen it in a few different movies and settings uh, explored like for instance like in it it was like a an instance for me where i saw the uncanny valley the original one or the newest no the new one i haven't seen the new i heard it was really good yeah the new one's really good but um and i think it's because in the old one it's you know it's easy to like separate the two like the not realistic and realistic but in uh in the new one you get more of this uh intermingling between like realness on the screen because, mm-hmm. you know, cinematic footage has come so, and technology has come so far. You get this, they get this uh, similarity with humans that it has, but then when it really becomes something else, they really uh, use the uncanny Valley to make it creepy. Like they unhinge his jaw every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And that just sort of like fucks with a lot of things, you know, on, on the first level. And then like they give him too many teeth or whatever. And they mess up with, they mess with his face and the proportions. And that really like, you know, you don't have to do very much to make something really scary, like image wise. You just have to like push it in that direction, just a little bit, right? Right, yeah. exactly. And then there's another. The other one I was thinking of is there's a, a movie with uh, Jesse Eisenberg called The Doppelganger, or no, the yeah, The Double, and it's about um, it's about a man who like lives a really, I guess, like unfulfilling and really unremarkable life, mm-hmm. and then he hears like talks about this guy who's super handsome who's coming into the to the firm. He does everything really well, and everyone really likes him. And he finally meets him, and it's himself. Oh. And, and it's it, it you know it traces the whole story of like if you were to find yourself, but a better version of yourself that does everything better, but has all the same and has all the same characteristics, but like is better and also evil. Like how oh. would you cope with that? And so they use spoilers. Uses, yeah, right. Um, I mean, there's this whole movie after that. So if you want to watch it, it's called The Double. You can probably stream it illegally, but I didn't tell you to do that. Yeah, yeah. We just this is what we've heard about on the internet. Yes, <laughs> but the Uncanny Valley works in that way because you know they. I think they work with his face a little bit so that it's ever so slightly different. But then you end up like catching those signs anyways you catch the likeness but also the differences it's like the same they they just use the same actor right and then probably just put like makeup on yeah yeah something like that to really make it different that's pretty good but yeah you talking about how far technology and stuff has come we're definitely in this period of time getting closer to like getting out of the uncanny valley just because of how well we can 3d model stuff like nowadays you're seeing actors being CGI'd into movies like Carrie Fisher in uh, Rogue One. If you saw that, like at first I didn't notice that it was CGI. I thought they just used an old scene of her, but upon closer inspection, 
it, you can totally see the CGI. Like Tarkin in that movie too was that one was a little bit more obvious. But at first glance, you kind of can't tell whether or not like these characters are the original actors or not, just because that's how crazy we've come. And now they're just like looking like regular people. Like yeah. one of the new games that's going to be coming out that was revealed at E3 recently, um, Cyberpunk 2077. Keanu Reeves is making a cameo appearance in it, and it just like it just straight up looks like Keanu Reeves, like. Before in the Matrix, like the shitty yeah, Matrix yeah. games that we play, like, okay, you could see that they clearly tried to model it off of Keanu as Neo. So, like, you're going to, like, okay, yeah, I can kind of see that it's his face. But, like, in this trailer reveal, like, it's just straight up Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And that's just, like, how incredibly close technology is getting at facial scanning and putting that stuff into models. And it's kind of nuts. Yeah. But, I mean, like, it definitely hits on that point of, the unca- of like, the uncanny is just being, like, so close but also, like, just just off enough to be really messy yeah. and to and to make things very uncomfortable. It's also like now before it was unintentional that the uncanny valley was in things, but now that we have the technology to work around it, you can, like you were saying in it, like you can deliberately use the uncanny valley now yeah. instead of it being just an artifact of the limitations of the technology that was available to you at the time. Yeah. So, I, I even think stuff. that, I think that the uncanny like even follows, uh, it definitely falls in other areas as well. Like, I, I read I read when I was uh, I was reading about like gothic horror uh, a while ago that a lot of like scary gothic horror stems around like you know the ideas of the mouth and not to get too PG thirteen but like a lot of those old writers and people who believed in a lot of the horror like had this idea that like that the mouth was really similar to like you know femininity in like that sort of way mm-hmm. and so for a lot of horror writers and horror like artists by altering the mouth in any sort of way really made a very scary impression of something to of something really like evil you know and i think it's because like how we how we like function using our mouth and how we like communicate and how we like eat as being so things things that we take for granted when messing with those things in particular gets really freaky think about a really like a normal thing and then if you if you you know, had like a messed up mouth with it, it would just be completely weird. Yeah. And it'd be completely like almost super scary, you know? And I think that has a really big deal with it. Or even with um with eyes as well. When you mess up the proportions of eyes mm, or you yeah. you take away like like you have like black sclera or something. Yeah. That's or, creepy. Or, or like when you see just plain white eyes, you know, oh, it's yeah, freaky that shit too. freaks me out. Yeah. Right. Time. Like, especially uh, eyes like rolling back in the head and you only see the whites. Yeah. It's like that sort of thing too, because they're working exactly as they should, but also they're not. Yeah. Right. It just hinges on the one thing that's off. Yeah. I think the other thing with mouths is that, like you said, since it's such a common thing and whenever you look at somebody, you're, it's always in view and somebody's always using it no matter what. Yeah. So, like spiky teeth or too many teeth, like you said, is weird. There's like, um, I don't know if there was a sub for it, but people were putting regular human mouths on sharks and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it made it look really weird. Like it was kind of comical, but at the same time, it was kind of creepy because you're like, sharks should not have smooth human incisors. Like you're used to them being all pointing stuff, but it was kind of weird seeing like human teeth on <laughs> something, an apex predator that normally just has a mouthful of saws, you know? Yeah. That's why for any of us who know about Attack on Titan, it's like that. Oh yeah, you know where they the definitely the mon- tap into that. The Titans have these perfect, you know, human incisors and straight teeth, 
And that for me, I think is maybe even more disturbing or more freaky than everything else. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be that they're literally just like the muscular figures of people and they're giant. It's that their mouths and they like have these perfectly straight teeth. But then the rest of their face is all kind of fucked up. Well, I think it's just like the fact that you're expecting these things to be giant monsters. And if they had sharp teeth and like jagged teeth, you'd expect that. Mm -hmm. But because they have like perfectly straight teeth, it's just you know, uncanny. It's just uncomfortable because, you know, why would they have straight teeth? Like, what's the point of this? Like, and that really plays into the whole lore behind it that, you know, they don't, they eat for the sake of eating, not to, not for anything else. By the way, Attack on Titan, super great show. It's an anime. It's fantastic. I'm really far into it. And my God, I'm not going to spoil anything just because I legitimately think this is one of those shows that deserves to not be spoiled for anybody who actually wants to get into it. But yeah, I think it's on Netflix now, right? Like yeah. they have they have dubs and stuff. But to be honest, so like, far, one so. of the reasons why I started watching it was because of that. Like I watched a few episodes, and then what really got me was the fact that I was very uncomfortable watching something like yeah. this. Pretty groundbreaking, honestly. Yeah, and I think in the in the sense that they're breaking a lot of general rules with like animation. Mm-hmm. Like animation shouldn't it shouldn't be this like freaky. It shouldn't make you feel so uncomfortable. And then along with that, like their narrative storytelling is pretty cool. Yeah. And like they do a pretty oh, good job, so especially good. in the beginning. So, but you know, I mean, you can see even the ties to that. Like I wanted to watch it because I'm a little freaked out about yeah. it. And I think it's more compelling because it's like that. Yeah. I think part of it too, is that nothing really mainstream had looked so creepy. Like obviously creepy stuff existed, but it wasn't exposed to the world. Like it was on, if it hit Netflix of all places. Right. But like you said, since, you're like, oh, this is different. Now everything else is starting to come back. Yeah. It's uh, super good. So if anybody's looking for a change of pace for high action, mind thriller, all sorts of craziness and really rad music, go and watch it. Yeah. The Uncanny Valley in that sense is also like the reason for a, a few things coming up as well. One of the examples that we were talking about earlier was something called uh, I'm Sorry, John. And <laughs> yeah. for anyone who doesn't know, um, what that's about is some artist had taken Garfield. Garfield the cat. Garfield the, the cat. cat that loves lasagna. Yeah, hates Mondays, right? Yeah, everybody um, knows him. And had redrawn Garfield to have like these really grotesque, um, you know. It's like tendrils. Yeah, and teeth, or teeth. teeth. It, like, you know, giving Garfield like a horribly disfigured head and the body of a centipede or something like that, making it really gross. And I think like that's such a cool aspect of creepiness and a combination of like the uncanny and other aspects of creepiness. You know, it's like, because we're all familiar with Garfield Mm -hmm. and we're all familiar with like the sort of character that Garfield has and the sort of space that he inhabits. But when you get into this sort of way, I don't even know why this had come about, why the I'm sorry, John, or this like demonizing or not even demonizing, but like of redrawing Garfield in this horrifying way came up or why people want to do that. But, you know, just thinking about those images a lot of it is like exactly that where we're so comfortable with something like Garfield, like the character subject Garfield. And then artists will take things about Garfield and just turn it awry and make them just like these eldritch horrors. Yeah. You know? For uh, for anybody who doesn't know, eldritch horror is a genre of horror where everything is very like, I guess, spindly, really elongated proportions for bodies and creatures aren't all right sometimes they have too many eyes if you google it you'll know exactly what we're talking about but this is the crossroads between like you said the thing that we're comfortable with and this specific genre of horror and i think that is why it's particularly creepy and why it falls into the uncanny valley because i've looked at other regular eldritch monster i can't even say it right because it's so hard to pronounce (laughs) eldritch 
horror monster stuff and like it doesn't seem on its own on to me personally at least it doesn't seem that creepy but i think that's because it's an original content thing but when you mix it with something that you know that's when it starts to get weird because the thing that you're you're comfortable or familiar with has been messed with so that's why it's really weird but yeah it's a it's a subreddit there's our reddit comment of the day of the yeah. week <laughs> yeah it's a it's a whole subreddit dedicated to this stuff it's kind of funny too yeah i i feel like the transformation of garfield into like an eldritch horror style is that inhabitants of the of the uncanny valley and i also think that like the reason why they like the eldritch well i'm trying to think about why eldritch horrors are so freaky you know like yeah. what makes them creepier than anything else and like are they are they creepy or are they like a certain or horrifying like i think they're more horrifying i think for me at least the way i see it eldritch horror falls under creepy because it all of it seems very slow moving like the the video that we were watching all the movements of the Garfield monster were very slow and deliberate, like he was hunting something, right? But it wasn't a fast pace, like he just grabbed John and killed him. It was very creeping, just around the corner type thing. And so Algic Horror, to me, falls under that general category of like a slow-moving monstrosity. Like It's not like a, like a Godzilla type, like stomping and rampaging throughout the city, right? It's like a this is something that is probably in the corner of your house and it could come out of the shadows Mm -hmm. and that's when it'll get you instead of just revealing itself in front of you. I think that's why it falls under the creepy, creepy uh, Mm -hmm. genre for me as opposed to clowns with jump scares. Mm -hmm. Because I personally hate jump scares. Yeah. But I can handle creepy stuff. Yeah. And this is is interesting. Like how do we, how would you differ creepiness and something that's just kind of outright scary? Well... Scary, I feel, is like the blanket term for anything that you don't like visually mm-hmm. or audibly or whatever you want to use. But creepy for me is defined, like I said, slow moving and gets under your skin to the point where you'll think about it after the creepy thing is away from your eyes. Mm. Whereas scary to me could just mean the moment it's in your face is the only point at when you're you're scared. So mm. like, uh, think of like, Five Nights at Friday's, right? Yeah. That thing is just chock full of jump scares. But when you slow it, the footage down or like you look at the, the models themselves of Freddy Fazbear and all the, the creatures, like they're not that scary. They're like kind of just regular looking thing. Like obviously they're not that pleasant to look at, but it's not something that'll be in the back of my mind the whole time. Like after that picture is out of my view. Whereas if I look at like this creepy Garfield thing, or I read like a really engaging SCP story, if it sticks into the back of my mind after I have closed the window or stopped immediately looking at it, then that falls under creepy for me. Do you think that creepiness has anything to do with realism? Uh, Not to to fall back onto the sort of like uncanny conversation we had, but like, do you think that creepiness has like that sort of relationship to something that could be real, but you know, we can't really say for certain if it is or not. I don't think it's a necessary component of being creepy, but I think that things that are creepy tend to use realistic uh, settings or objects because it's easier to relate to that setting or the creepy thing that they're trying to sell you. Mm -hmm. If it is access to your mind via something that you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. Cause like, if we threw this Garfield Eldritch Horror monster in the middle of a desert, then it'd kind of lose its spark because you're like, all right, well, it's just like a monster in the desert, right? Like, mm-hmm. we don't live out in the middle of the Sahara Desert. 
but all the the videos that we saw always placed him inside a house, and that's creepy because we all live in a house. And since it's something that's relatable, and they place the creepy monster inside of it, that's why it's so much worse. Same thing, same thing with any horror movie, like The Grudge or whatever The Exorcist. You or want to ring. do it, yeah. you know, or The Ring. It's always yeah, The Ring's Ring's even better, yeah, because TV. Every everybody has a TV in their house, but if you threw that monster again, like coming out of the middle of the ocean, it'd lose its creepiness because you're like. How often are you going to be out in the middle of the ocean? Yeah. Never. How yep. often are you going to be staring at a TV screen? Probably at least once during your day. So context is really a huge issue yes. with this as well. Yeah. I think like when we were talking about reality in terms of like creepiness, I think the Eldritch Horror, to come back to that, is like a great example about different, you know, creepiness working on different uh, levels mm-hmm. and working on different ways and perspectives. For instance, like when I think of the Eldritch Horror and everyone who like should just look that up, you know, check out some of the examples of what that yeah, is. Yeah, get a yeah idea. Just figure it out. But like some of the things that I think about is like these are things that, like you said, they move slowly. But uh, there's something about them that is like the aspects of it that make it the most creepy are the ones that are like they're not outright scary on their own. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that they're combined with other things that makes it more unnatural and more like, and not even close to reality, just kind of like messy, right? A sort of like combination of a bunch of different things and like really poor proportions, right? Yeah. So that it's, so that it's just, it's not like the reality. It's not reality bending. It's more of like reality bending in the sense that here's a bunch of stuff put together that doesn't necessarily have to be together or should be together. But okay. yet here it is, and it's bad. Right? It's, yeah, it's like yeah. The, the nobody said that we should, but we did it anyways. Yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I get that. A good, uh, a really good example of it pretty much falls under Elder Core, I think. Is um, you know, are you familiar with the manga artist or artist in general, Junji Ito? Yeah, yeah, his stuff definitely falls under Elder Core. Junji Ito is a is a manga artist who's written stuff. Uh, like anyone should check out uh, Uzumaki. Yeah, that's is a the really most good famous one. one that he's known for. The other one is there's another one about these holes in the ground. Yeah, uh, I forget what that one's called. Uzumaki is the one with spirals. Mm. He uses spirals as like the motif for his story. He, he all these are like isolated short stories that he writes and illustrates. Super great if you want to get into like creepy imagery and really weird stories. But uh, Uzumaki is the spiral. So like anything. I won't spoil it for people, but mm. they, all of his stories use some sort of motif, and they often fall under uh, what we have we have been classifying as Aldrich horror in his imagery. There's Yo also is an, another one. It's like the fish kind of gross bio oh. mechanical one. If you've seen that one, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, but the whole one, I don't remember what that one's called. There's also an, really there's also another one where it's like these balloons. There are these faces that that look like balloons, and they come down and yeah, <sighs> like so the, the Man, whole faces are always so fucking yeah. Creepy. Well, that's and that's another uncanny thing is like it's these it's these faces, and they look for the people that they look like, and then they kill them. Ooh, yeah, and so like eventually, like you get chased down by all of these like face balloons and oh. stuff like that. That was freaky. I remember reading through that and just being like very uncomfortable the entire time. Some of his stuff is also like less scary and more just like straight up outlandish. There's another one where it's like people are randomly getting splattered, like pancakes splattered. So they'll just be like bloody piles on the ground. Yeah. But it just ends up being, <laughs> like how I said, I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm spoiling <laughs> them anyways. It just ended up being some like invisible plant, this gigantic invisible plant that could like pull into thin air and just like smash people. 
Yeah. If they, I think if they drank honey or something. Really? Yeah. It's like if they drank from its nectar or whatever, but it was super addicting. So if they, if they ate a little bit of it, they'd be like, I can't stop eating it. Hmm. And then this invisible plant thing would come out of nowhere and smack ah. it. I yeah. don't remember how they revealed it, but that's just like the whole thing. Huh. Yeah. Junji Ito. Here's a, this is, this reminds me, or this sort of leads me in this direction. Um, so we've talked about a few different types of creepy, but mm-hmm. like, what are some different characteristics that, you know, don't necessarily need to be, you know, mutually, mutually ex- exclusive to these other things, but definitely make things creepy. Um, having too many of things is a weird one. Mm-hmm. I think I would argue that having too many of, at least let's just use limbs as the example. Yeah. Having too many limbs is more scary than having not enough limbs mm. for me personally, because like there are examples of people without the normal amount of limbs in everyday life, like mm. amputees, right? So if if a monster like didn't have one leg or like if a zombie has only one arm, you're like, okay, whatever. I think it also like renders anything harmful impotent. Yeah. But then if you see something that has too many arms or like too many teeth, like we said earlier, that's when it starts to get really weird because you don't see that phenomenon naturally mm. in everyday life. Or I'm, like there are people with six fingers, but I'm talking about like four arms, like yeah. seven rows of teeth, five eyes, stuff like that. Yeah. That's when it gets weird. And then there's, al- there's also like the the concept of like thinking about like are these things or these creatures have way too many of this, but they still work. Yeah, they still function, and, and they're st- and they work well enough to be like a threat. A threat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the weird part, right? I think another part about it is um, I, I'm thinking about things that are generally creepy and like spiders. Spiders. Bugs. I don't know. Spiders aren't necessarily creepy. They're kind of like alarming, but not creepy, right? Like. I'm thinking of like um, I like jumping spiders. Jumping spiders are cute. They're pretty cool. They're kind of they're like they got those little eyes yeah. too, and they, and they do the little dance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, the dance is where it's at. It's like their mating dance, but they're always looking like they're shaking like maracas around. <laughs> you know those things? It's like uh, it's like Bruce from Finding Nemo said, like fish are friends, not food. Yeah. I'm gonna say that about spiders. Like spiders are friends. So they leave eat- them in your house if you find well, unless they're like gigantic or massive. But if you find even little ones, just leave them because they're probably eating all the other gross shit in your house. Yeah, yeah. Like they, so if I find a little one, I just tend to leave it alone. Let it go. Yeah. Coming from you, you... <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, you want me to tell you that story? Which one? So, we were... You showed me that gross gif of the dude pouring oil in his ear and then a fucking centipede oh crawled God, out of it. Oh, my God, that was... disgusting. Up. Yeah. But something similar happened to me. Speaking of creepy. Eldrick dog. <laughs> I'm Where sorry, JP. I don't know. <laughs> but um, this, this happened pretty recently, like just a couple months ago. So, I woke up in my bed and I felt like a weird pressure like wiggling in my ear. Oh no. And I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. And I, I tried to ignore it to go back to sleep. Right. Cause I was like, whatever. And then <laughs> I, I stood up because like the, the, the occasional wiggling around, I was like, that's, that's not normal. And then I shot up out of bed and then I waited for another second. Cause it, it was, it was just like, it'd be like two seconds wiggle, two seconds. Right. And then I felt the other wiggle. I was oh fuck, something's in my ear. So I darted to the bathroom and I took a Q-tip and I, I put like this, mind you, this entire time, I'm trying not to scream at the top of my lungs because I was <laughs> oh. like, I was so scared. <laughs> and so, so just imagine me like freaking out, but I run to the bathroom and then I take a Q-tip, put my ear over the, the sink. And then I make sure to not, first of all, jab the Q-tip in because I know that if yes. I, yes. if I fucking yes. crush a bug in my ear, that's going to be gross. You have strategy. Yeah, <laughs> I have strategy. So I like kind of go in but over my ear canal and then like I like flick it out and then a fucking silverfish comes <gasps> flying out of my no. ear and then it, I think it died Ooh. or something cuz like it it wiggled and then in the sink and then it like just stopped staying there but after that came out like I had 
just a wave, a fucking wave of goosebumps and just like grossness came over me. And I just went, oh my God. Like, it wasn't like I wanted to throw up, but like, I was just like shivering because it was so gross. Holy and, shit. And then <laughs> I, oh my I, I, took, God. I took the Q-tip again. And I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And I just had to clean, I had to clean <laughs> oh, the shit no. out of my ears, right? Because it's gross. And then I biggest mistake probably thus far was when I pulled it out, I looked at it and there was like a leg attached to it. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this thing was in my fucking ear. Dude, so. <laughs> holy crap. Wait, where were you? I was just sleeping in my bed. and then well, I, On the top or on the bottom? On the bottom. It's just like in my bed and then I woke up and then... It's silverfish found its way into my ear. For anybody who doesn't know, silverfish are these little bugs that you might find in your home that move really fast and they look like little tiny earwig things. But that was honestly like top three scariest experiences of my life. And not so much recently, but for like two months after that happened, I have been freaked out. Even my voice is cracking just talking about it because it's so scary. But I've been sort of freaked out about like leaving my ears exposed for when I go to sleep. <laughs> so whenever I went to sleep for like the last three months, I'd cover my ears with a pillow or make sure that the blanket is over my head so that this wouldn't happen again. Cause it's been, oh my God. Yeah. Answer yourself some earplugs. Yeah. Too. So, but like if I'm falling asleep and I kind of feel like stuff wiggling around or like, like sometimes, you know, nerves just fire off in yeah, your body yeah. and like your ear will twitch something. I kind of start freaking out. Oh, so. dude. But that happened to me. Holy I would not wish that on anybody because that shit was the scariest thing of my life. And then I had to look up online. I was like, will silverfish lay eggs in your ears oh, like and then, earworms? And then, and then you're, you're not yeah. sleeping. But it's, it's, that's all. I, earwigs also do not do that. Just really? in case. Wait, I thought earwigs lay eggs in the ears. No, that's all. It's all a myth. What, what lays eggs in your ears? Then? I don't know. I mean, they can on accident, but they don't deliberately go into people's ears to lay eggs. So let's let's take this. Oh, ah, let's sorry, br- let's bring this into it. our conversation. So That's do you so think do you think the bugs like crawling into your ear are, is creepy, or do you think the idea and the threat of a bug crawling into your ear and laying an egg in your in your ear like scare like creepier than I, anything? I think it's less creepy and more gross because a, a foreign object that shouldn't be in my body was in my body, mm-hmm. but. Bugs in general just kind of freak me out. I'm pretty sure that it's a, I've read that fear of bugs is kind of just a thing that's ingrained in humans naturally. Yeah. Because any small skittering thing with multiple limbs is kind of gross. And yeah. they tend to be, some of them tend to be like venomous and stuff, right? So that's why we're kind of hardwired to not want them. Also, a cameo by Addie. local dog Addie. Why are you still awake? What's up, you be asleep? What are you doing? I think she just wants pets or something. I think so. I think she probably hears this happening. She wants in on the podcast. Yeah. We'll see you later. She's here to try to jump scare us. <laughs> yeah. Almost to work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think that would, that would be kind of creepy, you know, just like the. I mean, they're, they're just creepy by their nature. Like they're a small centipede looking thing that moves really fast and they're all wiggly and ugh. We, we were talking about eldritch horrors earlier. And it's like, if we, if we blow up the body of a, of a bug, it's basically just kind of like that. It squirms. Yeah. It's fast. You know, it, I think, I think what's creepy about bugs in general, is that they act fast and they act uh, unpredictably. Yeah. That, you know? Well, yeah. Unpredictability is one of the things that's creepy about bugs. Like right. flies, like they move very radically. You can't really, you have trouble tracking it and they can change directions very fast. I think that's, that's part of why they're creepy. That's what's freaky for me about like centipedes yeah. is that like oh. centipedes move in a way that just isn't predictable. 
and you can you can kind of guess where it's going to go, but you know it it, it can basically misdirect you in all these different ways because it's so fast. Yeah. Right. I think it's the number of limbs that does it for me. That too. I the, mean, like, the jagged limbs. Yeah. yeah. Ah, dude. And I mean, like this this is like part of a of different types of creepy, right? We have our yeah. uncanny creepy. We have our like dangerous for whatever reasons creepy like being fast biologically or, hardwired creepy yeah, yeah. right uh, i'm i'm thinking about this like what about what about something that lurks you know like imagine, like a like a predator hunter type thing maybe not even just a predator hunter but something that just watches and lurks like um like a like seeing uh glowing eyes in the dark yeah yeah, yeah. you know like it, it may not even be like predatorial or it may not even yep. be like anything, but it, the fact that it watches or the fact that it's there and that it's, you know, it's trying to conceal itself, I think is also creepy. Yeah. I think that in particular is mostly only effective at night. I mean, it could still be weird in the day if something is just like watching you and tracking you. But I think for that, I would describe that as knowing that something else is aware of your presence yeah. and is zeroing in on just your presence. It's is almost a weird like, thing. Because it gives you a feeling of isolation. Yeah, right. It's it's almost like um, it's like when you're in public, you can feel. Do you ever feel this where you can feel people if somebody staring wa- daggers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If mm-hmm. someone's staring at you, you can feel it. Yep. It's got this sort of odd sensation to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I also feel like that's a, that's something else about you know unpredictability. You know, not knowing your enemy, not knowing what it's going to do. Or what it's about yeah. is that sort of thing as like, well. Is it staring at you because it's interested in you just passing by, or is it staring at you because it wants to attack you? I th- and I think yeah. that's that's sort of the creepiness behind something like uh, like movie horror movies that are about like spiritual things, You're like you know, either like dem- demonic presence or anything like yeah. that. It's more that the things that have capabilities of harming, you know, are unpredictable. They they act in ways that you can't really suspect. And they they watch. Yeah, you know it's these things that are like undetectable and also unpredictable. Yeah, right. Talking about demons though and stuff, that's another aspect of scary media that we can talk about. And that's where I wanted to draw this line between things that are creepy, like, or maybe even aspects of scary things that are mainly creepy and then mainly like you know terrifying off mm-hmm. right or outright, right? Yeah. So like, I think that that portion of like you know, a movie about demons is scary is creepy because of that, but scary because of the actual thing, mm. right? Like it's like, um, when you watch the ring, there's that whole, there's that girl that comes out of the TV. Right. Yep. I think like when you first get introduced to her, the scary part about it is that you don't, you can't really predict what she's going to do. You don't really know what she's about just yet. And mm-hmm. so it's creepy because like, we can't we can't you know say what it will be we just have an idea that it's not pleasant mm-hmm. and that it's threatening but then once once we understand or we're given the actual form of of the enemy and of the thing that is threatening it becomes more outright terrifying mm-hmm. right and I, I think that's like a pretty big distinction to make it's like a another good example it's like slenderman yeah you no know, slenderman the 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 creepiness about it is also about unpredictability it's the fact that you know, well, it's all, it's predictable, but it's almost like you can't control it. Yeah. And, and like you can control it only so much, which mm-hmm. I guess is a different part about a different, you know, difference than, uh, than unpredictability. Right. Yeah. But I think that ties in like unpredictability and lack of control fall hand in hand. That's true. Because those are aspects that are outside of your control. Yeah. And just as human beings, we like having control over things just because then it gives predictability, which means we know what's going to happen. And we can adjust appropriately for whatever is coming ahead. I think Slenderman is like a great example of the combination of a lot of things. You know, like 
on the he's Eldric for sure. He's, he's got tentacles, and he's also and he's also like uh, he's humanoid, and yeah. so he's got the uncanny valley thing going on, especially with the arms, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that he's so tall, yeah. right? Like, and so it's a combination of that, and then the fact that it lurk, he lurks, yeah, and he's always like following and lurking in shadows, and like the fact that if you ever close your eyes, he just gets closer yeah. and closer. It's that sort of thing, and it's like the it's a. The reason why it's so effective is because it's the combination of all of these things together and you get this lack of control and unpredictability as both a cause and an effect at the same time. Yeah. Right. So um, bringing up unpredictability, though, brings up another good thing is uh, I think we've already talked about it before in like our last Halloween podcast mm-hmm. episode. Probably just take this as an <laughs> as a Halloween episode out of order. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, fear of the unknown is yeah like the maiden thing of why we're scared because... Again, same thing. You don't know what's going to happen. And um, that's why oftentimes people will say things from movies or scary games are more creepy when you don't know what it is or when you don't have the full reveal or know how the monster functions. Yeah. Because when it's off screen and not in your immediate vision, then your mind starts to game itself by coming up with all the possibilities because you don't know what the thing can actually do. Mm. So your thoughts might end up being way scarier than what the thing is actually capable of or what the thing's goal is. Yeah. So like the first time I came around to watch Slender Man, I was like, oh, how is he going to, like, I knew it was going to kill me. Right. But it was like, how is it going to kill me? Is it going to strangle me? Is it going to, I don't know, stab me or something. And then after I'm talking about the game, by the way, of the original Slender Man game. But after I went through it the first or second time and I kind of saw its model, it lost a little bit of, not a little bit, it lost a lot of the, the spark and scariness behind it. Not just because of the repetitive nature of me being exposed to it over and over again, but because I finally figured out A, what it looked like and B, how it operated. So it, all of the possibilities that I was coming up with in my mind kind of just were erased because now I'm just like, all right, well, it's like being afraid of a dog. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not going to come out of the sky because it's a land-based animal and it can't stab you with a weapon because it only has teeth and like claws. So like you know how it operates. So now it's less scary because you know what's going to happen if it does decide to do. And gaming is gaming is an interesting thing about uh, is an interesting platform for that sort of thing because when you're gaming, you know there is that cinematic aspect of you don't know what's going to happen and almost your imagination is almost more against you than the actual game is mm-hmm. right but then what's interesting about video games is that when you get into it and you learn the mechanics of it you can basically figure out the predictable pattern that's going to happen oh, yeah. right it's it's different from a movie where like it it reveals itself to you and then you're still helpless more of more or less like in the game it reveals itself to you. And then once you're able to like figure out its pattern and defeat it, you know, defeat it using whatever game mechanics they yeah. give you, it's, I think it provides a more fulfilling experience than say like a horror movie where the same thing happens, where if they prolong the reveal of the thing, the scary thing or the threatening thing, you know, your imagination plays against you. You know, you're mm-hmm. thinking of all these things it could be of what it could do. You don't know anything about it until it does these things. Yeah. And then even after that, movies leave you in more of a, a helpless state because you still have to go through all of these things and experience them in whatever, like, whatever sort of mode or vehicle that you're supposed to, you know. Yeah, you're just in it for the ride, right? Yeah, you're still in the ride. Yeah. You don't have any sort of autonomy in, in you know, movies or something like that. And so I think video games, when it comes to those sort of things, are, are such an interesting case study for creepiness because the same cinematic effects work. Even like in earlier games, like we were watching a, a playthrough of a game called Faith 
and it had, it was about demons and like there was a certain like unpredictability to it mm-hmm. even though we understood that the game had to be like created in a specific type of way yeah but uh the monster that you were against at the at the beginning it didn't really tell you what it did or what it was about or even how it worked. And the more that the game went on, it developed doing different things. And that was sort of like the freaky part about it was that, you know, there's the understanding of the game is so young, like the game is early on that the monster are only showing these parts about it will naturally show a bunch of different things that we're not ready for. Yeah. And it's that sort of like, unpredictability that makes it scary yeah i would argue also that games depending on how well made they are obviously it can be a more effective vehicle for scary or creepiness Mm -hmm. than movies because you have some sort of control and oftentimes the way the game scares you is to take away some part of that control yeah or throw a situation at you that you don't know how to handle Mm -hmm. but because you're the one who's controlling it you're sort of relating to the character or avatar that you're you are playing as in game, yeah. And because you sort of have that connection to the thing that's actually experiencing whatever horror or scary event is in front of you, then that's why it's a little bit more scary. That's why um, I will never ever in my life play a scary VR game mm-hmm. because that is about as close as you're going to get to self inserting yourself into like a scary movie. I really don't think anything can come any closer than that. I mean, there was that black mirror episode, right? Yeah. That did exactly yeah. that where they, they had a, I mean, it combined a few different worries. Like it combined VR horror and horror genre, but then it also combined the sort of scariest surrounding, like implanting, you know, biomechanics into yourself mm. and the sort of issues with that. And the, the fears behind that, which I, I like that episode a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what a season three or season four episode. One of them. Yeah. That was a really good one. And that one I think was creepy for a lot of the reasons we're talking about. Go watch it. Give us your analysis, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Write me a thesis or something like that. I mean, I'll read it. <laughs> like I, I'm going to be a VR enthusiast because I think it's super cool and I've already talked about it a bunch, but scary games are the one thing I'm not going to do just because I don't deal with scary very well <laughs> already. I've already told you I'm super little girl about those things. And just to have a majority of my senses being inserted into a world that I already don't want to be in, um, <laughs> that's that's going to be a little bit of overkill for me. Even like stuff that I can handle regularly, just on a regular screen, being thrown into VR, I've heard anecdotally from people that are like, it's just like, it's a whole different ball game. I bet it messes yeah. with you. I mean, like, imagine, imagine like being in a movie and something scary happens, you don't have any control over it. Yeah. So there is a sort of like relinquishing of that. It's like... Ah, like once we get through it, you you come out of it and you're like, okay, this wasn't actually me the entire yeah. time. It was a, a, you know, I'm able to leave the situation. But with a video game, like you do have that sort of autonomy over what happens yeah. and the decision making process. So like you get you you don't get that same release yeah. because you have to do everything. Because with movies, there's a screen shielding you, whereas <laughs> if you're in VR, like all of your like hearing is surround sound. Your vision is there. The most you can do is like take off the headset and throw it away, which is really funny to watch. I like watching other people get scared, man. But oh, I man, I can't. It. I can't do it myself. This kind of takes me into like you know we were talking about the cinematic aspects of both video games and movies. I mean, movies are cinema, but like there's another part of creepiness that I think is affected by the music. Right? Oh yeah, I, I think uh, music has such a big deal and a big stake in how horror movies and horror genres like really up their creepiness factor throughout it. I I think in terms of like scary movies and scary games, like creepiness is something that is a, 
it's a vehicle for an overall experience, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you have to up creepiness every so often, but eventually like creepiness becomes outright. And there's a, there's that line where it crosses over. Yeah. I think, but, but I think music is one of the most integral things for anything. Uh, just how to use music, how to use correct orchestration. I think the most obvious thing that you and I were really catching on, we were watching this, this person play faith, the game mm-hmm. was that, you know, you get so accustomed to hearing background music and you get so accustomed oh, yeah. to music being a part of the experience that when music cuts for whatever reason, it's, it's just horrible. Silence. It's the I worst experience. And the fact is that the fact Ugh. of the matter is that like the longer that silence is, the worse it is because you, because now that you hear everything, uh, and now that there's no music, you get to like hear all of the sounds that they put into the movie or all of the like, basically you have nothing to distract you from like the possibilities that your mind can create. It's, it's, it's genius really. It's like a brilliant way of trying to manage uh, the psychological process of being terrified. Yeah. Right. It's always also that whenever they use the lack of music, when it's pure silence, it's always like the silence is supposed to prepare you for the scary thing because everybody knows any generic horror movie Right before the jump scare, it's always that moment of silence, like whether it's them creeping around the corner or they're looking, they're focusing on in its space or something, and then the monster jumps out. It's always that silence right before the loud, blaring noise, which, mm. by the way, I really hate loud, scary noises. Yeah, I know. The noise doesn't even necessarily have to be scary. Just sudden loud noises always make me freak out because yeah. I, I hate jump scares. Yeah. Um, But you were talking about them dragging out that silence yeah in that particular video that we were watching was kind of even more creepy yeah because it's sort of like movies at least in the past however long horror movies have been around they kind of only had that brief silence and then like the jump scare came immediately after yeah but now <laughs> when they were dragging out the silence that made it more creepy because you're like shouldn't the jump scare have happened by now yeah and then like our minds like we said before we're, we're starting to fill up with more possibilities of what can happen because now we're like oh, the silence that's only supposed to last five seconds has now gone on for way longer than that. Like, when now is the jump scare supposed to happen? Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of things I think I feel like are using the silence elongation a lot more effectively just because, well, A, the population that's consuming this media has gone numb to it because of repeated exposure Mm -hmm. and they got used to the formula. So now they have to shake up. People who are making these scary games or movies have to shake up the formula by whatever means possible. And that might be, you know, elongating the silence or Mm. using creepy music in a different way than has already been used before. Yeah. And I I think like music doesn't, it doesn't even have to just be these silent moments that make it creepy. I think the absence of sound is one way of like calling attention to how we take it for granted Mm -hmm. and how music and movies provides this like safe haven. I think it really calls to how with music in movies, you look to the music to tell you what type of excitement or what type of emotion you should be feeling almost more than the stuff on screen. Yeah. You know, like if you put a visual image on top of like a funny soundtrack, you know, the message is going to be something along the lines of this should be humorous. Yeah. The music almost more or less commands what happens in that sort in those sort of scenes. And so like when you, uh, when you don't have any music, you lose that guide and you lose any sense of direction or possible, uh, divining direction through the music right and so like you can tell something is getting really creepy when the music is doing things right but once it cuts it's like that's the worst because that's the most creepy you can get because now a you're alone b there is no guiding force to tell you something is going to be creepy but it's kind of like you know it's almost ironic because that is the guiding force to tell you something is going to happen but it's almost like being uh strewn out over like like being hung up 
in like over a dark pit like something could happen but you don't know what it could be yeah you describing background music and noises as distraction is a pretty good point that i hadn't really thought about and that's that really is kind of what it is a lot of the time yeah it's just it's just trying to give you like a a guide but then also to distract you from other things that might may or may not happen yeah i think other other parts about music like trying to guide the listener are really cool as well like for instance the first thing that comes to mind is uh, is Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. The music in that in that movie is just so like well placed with the scenes and with the narrative, where like you know music goes lower and lower when like certain things happen, and music is up really high when certain things. I mean, like it's it's where the uh, that scene with the uh, the screeching violins, the yeah. and the and the knife scene is like, you know it's it's made it's yeah. made famous by that. And it's sort of like uh, the you know the violins almost act as as this like warning signal, like warning, this is bad, yeah. like things are really bad, and things are going to get worse. And Was that so, the first case of them using like violins and the high screech strings? To, that's the first. Yeah. That, that's the like it's a meme nowadays yeah. because you know everyone knows about that. But that's the original is Psycho. Oh, nice. And if you haven't seen Psycho, like watch Psycho. Yeah. It's so good. Have you seen it? Uh-huh. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I I really I enjoy the movie Psycho like so much. Yeah. I think like Hitchcock's use of everything like angling and and you know cinema and yeah. music in that movie is just it excellent. definitely was like the grandfather of a lot of common tropes that we see nowadays. Oh yeah, it's crazy, right? Like just especially like these angles too. There's um there's something to be said about like how the camera captures like somebody who doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know like. Um, and especially like shooting someone from above or shooting someone like really intimately, it really has like different effects on how like we feel about them in specific scenarios, especially if we know that they're going to be like in Killed. danger soon. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think like one thing that I was, uh, that I wanted to touch on as well is we were talking about like things that lurk and things that are kind of creepy because they lurk Ooh. and they're, they're unpredictable and they watch yeah. and I, and I'm, I'm reminded of like, you know, nowadays there's like a big push towards true crime and everyone's so interested in true crime and like Mm -hmm. trying to take these, these murderers and these like mass, you know, killing people and dissect them. Right. Yep. And I think there's this huge uh, popularity around like trying to figure out the psychology of these crazy madmen or, you know, mad women and the mad children too. (laughs) (laughs) You like that? There you go. That was that was good. That was unpredictable, Thank you. but not creepy. Yes. Um, I think like a lot of people, a lot of us feel like so strongly towards wanting to know about these uh, about these people and about these horrors they committed because like it falls like kind of into that creepy mindset where mm-hmm. you know these are normal people and people that we suspect to be doing you know pretty normal people Everyday things, stuff, yeah. but they're but they're committing acts that like. Are, are so heinous and so like out of what we'd consider norm that they uh, that they reach that like point of being creepy or yeah. just being very eerie. Especially like I'm thinking of like Ted Bundy, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted Bundy in, in any of his interviews and in any of his like reenactments, where like you know, there's that recent Netflix thing where Zac Efron plays Ted Bundy. Yeah, um, he comes off as being like very well spoken and being somebody who like represents himself well has a lot of charisma that was a shtick yeah and and that's the thing it was his shtick he used it um and that i think that makes it even more creepy is that he used this like charisma and this like his ability to be well liked with like a group 
as a way of like getting himself in these positions, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that's sort of about the, the unpredictability of it is like, here's somebody who is like charismatic and somebody that you'd want to trust who comes off as being friendly, but you really can't understand or, you know, begin to figure out or decipher the, uh, the ulterior motives that he may or may not have. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing with all of these like murderers. Like, I think they have ul- ulterior motives, but they hide them underneath like a, a veil of normal normalcy, right? And yeah. so that makes them really creepy because they're exactly those types of figures who lurk and watch and are, are more or less normal, but we can't, we have no idea about what their motives are. Yeah. I think it also paints pictures in people's heads that like the normal person that they know could potentially also act in the same, in a similar manner. Mm-hmm. That's why it's scary. But for me, I think true crime podcasts fall into the category of like a spectator sport almost mm. because like you said, normal people like to watch. Normal people like to watch dumpster fires. Like whenever, <laughs> right? It's true. Like whenever you see a a car accident on the highway or something, like traffic almost always slows down at that point, just because people are driving by slowly because they're watching. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a case of like the bigger mass of people being thankful that that event isn't happening to them, but they still want to see it. Morbid curiosity, yeah, is literally the term for it. Yeah. So that's why I feel like. Uh, true crime podcasts have exploded in popularity just because people are like, I mean, that situation would never happen to me, but right. I kind of want to know about it. So, Well, I mean, it, it goes back to what we had originally talked about in our, in our Halloween episode that like basically curiosity is what feeds uh, kills well, fear. Well, yes, it kills not Garfield, not Garfield. Not really? Garf- he kills, he kills curiosity. Yes. Um, what is it? It's like, Fear of things normally leads to a curiosity about those things. Mm-hmm. You know, wanting to figure out why the thing is scary or wanting to know more about it is, you know, for me at least, almost intrinsically tied to uh, being afraid of it. Yeah, I mean, not all the time. I'm not afraid of like music theory or like <laughs> I'm not afraid of cooking. Yeah. Right. Um, well, sometimes if you turn up the stove a little r- bit too, like <laughs> when I first when I first fried something. I turned up the heat way too high and I definitely had way too much oil. Oh, no. So when I threw the chicken breast on it and it, like the oil like jumped up, I was like, oh, fuck. That's not right. You weren't shirtless when you did it. No, but it probably definitely like oil burned me a little bit on the arms and stuff. I've like, you know, I've done really dumb things where like I'll get home and I'll have to cook and I'll just be like, yeah, I don't want to wear a shirt. And it's just like, you know, bad things Any happen. Based it's, cooking it's like, it's like that rule. Like you don't cook bacon without a shirt on, right? Yeah. I mean, you can. Big mistake. I did that once and I was really? like, nope, never you again. Say you burn your nipples. Yeah, deeply. I know. Make my aerial as nice and dark, like <laughs> sausages. Damn it, and pepperonis. Yeah, pepperonis. I oh, hate that. God. I hate it when people describe nipples as pepperonis. It's because it's uncanny. I know. Would you call that creepy though? No, I just call it gross. <laughs> Not creepy. It's gross. Yeah, but I mean, like to go back to it, it's like people want to know about that thing, yeah, because of morbid curiosity, mm-hmm. and also because like it's scary. Yeah. The fact that somebody could do that to you in, in broad daylight or even anywhere else is so freaky and so unnatural that like, of course, you're going to be afraid of it. And of course, you're naturally going to be like curious about why. Yeah. Right. It's that sort of uh, it, it's that sort of place where we can't really figure it out. And I think people love that. But people love the fact that we can't figure out these like crazy minds and why they did things the way they did, why they wanted to like murder people or why they, you know, abducted people and did whatever. Like yeah. maybe they're fucked up. But like. Also, you know, nobody can know for sure. There's only so much like you can really say about something. And uh, even with Ted Bundy, like talking about himself, like uh, on all of those, uh, all those recorded tapes, it's like you can never really know for certain in your own head, like what was happening. Right. Because people are the the real monsters were us all along. (laughs) Do you think 
God. <laughs> I already used that bit last time. I know. And it comes back. Oh. I would love to have Steve Buscemi as a recurring meme He's, on our uh, on our podcast. He, him and Willem Dafoe, I think I told you about that before that I always mixed them up. Yeah. Because they look somewhat similar. I guess. But Willem, Willem Dafoe, Dafoe is like scary Steve yeah, Buscemi. But Will, yeah, exactly. He's yeah. like a, he was a great casting choice for Green Goblin because yeah. he kind of already looks like a goblin. Yeah, yeah. He's got those weird he's like, buggy he's got eyes. Sharp pointy chin and yeah. like buggy eyes and his smile's really wide. Can you imagine Steve Buscemi as the Green Goblin? Yes. Really? If they if they use him as the new Green Goblin for yeah. current MCU Spider Man, yeah. that's that would true. Be wonderful. I'm I've been watching Steve Buscemi in The Sopranos, and I just love every part of it. I, he's so good. I know like, he's a great actor. I would be happy to have Steve Buscemi as a recurring. Yeah, uh, like, Steve Buscemi as a recurring guest on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yo, Steve, come over here, Mister Buscemi. We're egging you on. <laughs> Which we like. Should I like tag him and tweet him out on Twitter or something? I don't know. That'd be funny. Get him to give us a five star yeah. review. That'd be awesome. That would be. The we best. have gotten reviews, by the way. Well, not like text reviews, but people have left stars, and we're five stars so far. I love everyone who's Thank done you. that. Way to go! The last creepy thing I think to leave this off on a not so crazy and scary note. Yeah, creepy pastas. Creepy pastas. Uh huh. What are creepypastas, JP? Can you give us a little synopsis of what they are? I think I can give a little bit, and then you should help me figure uh, finish okay. it off. A creepypasta is it's basically just like these stories that people make mm-hmm. uh, and and circulate around the internet that have to deal with like common knowledge or common memes, like you know, uh, SpongeBob yeah. or Sonic, Suicide Squidward, Suicide Squidward, yeah, Sonic.exe. They're, yeah. they're basically ghost stories just circulated on the internet instead of around a. Kumbaya around a fireplace. Yeah, it's 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 uh, scary stories for the internet age. Yeah, the ones that I like to do because I've told you before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but I kind of low key love them. Yeah, uh, I spend a lot of time, an inordinate amount of time, just like sifting through them at night too, which is probably the worst time to do it. But just because a lot of them spawn from video games and me as a an elite gamer, <laughs> I get <laughs> curious about these things. So I wanna I wanna see what's up. And the first one that I ever came across was uh, Legend of Zelda's Majora's Mask. Ben Drown. I don't know if you ever played Majora's Mask. No, but there's a statue of Young Link, but it, it falls under Uncanny Valley. Everything's coming back full circle. Yeah, it falls under Uncanny Valley because it uses his character model, which you're playing as, so you're used to. But the face is like weirdly realistic compared to Ooh. like all the other characters in the game. Like it has like very defined facial features compared to your regular Link model. Yeah, and then somebody made up some stupid story around it. <laughs> Usually, creepy pastas to me were scary at first, but now that I've realized that they all follow like the exact same format every time. What is it? They lost their scariness to me. Well, it's because they're predictable. Yeah, they're, they became predictable. Exactly. There it is. Um, one of the things that they always do is it's always that the at least for the video game creepy pastas, it's always like. I bought this game at a garage sale, but the cartridge picture was often unlabeled. And then when I started it up, it was just a black screen and these creepy texts came up. But I decided to play it anyways. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why, why do they always have to do this? Or like, if they do any other stories, it's always like, you started off in a coma or whatever. And then like stuff just devolved. Yeah. And like people just lost their creativity. But like after the first time it came around, it was pretty great. But I think the reason why people made so many of them, they made so many of them is because like they wanted to take these things that were so familiar. I mean, like let's look at even the SpongeBob one yeah. with a like, suicide Squidward. Suicide Squidward comes about because somebody says they have like a tape 
that was that wasn't supposed to circulate, and they found this tape it's in the, the writing lost room. SpongeBob episode. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> it's it's that it's like picking up some sort of tape or a cartridge that shouldn't be watched or that is just so odd, and it starts in a weird way, and then going through all of it and feeling weirded out by it. Yeah. But people wanted to write these stories about things that were like familiar. <laughs> it goes even back to the I'm sorry, John, like with Garfield. <laughs> yeah. People want to take these things that we've grown up with and like taken for granted as being just, you know, benign things and turning them into like potentially harmful, threatening things because it's just kind of, you know, I think it's part of that sort of gross, morbid curiosity Yeah, where it, we're like, we're exercising like how we can be creative and how we can express ourselves using creepiness mm-hmm. and using something that is so like close to us in our childhood and then turning it into something that can be threatening. Right. Yeah. I think that's why, that's why creepypastas really hit home is because it's a different type of uh, of comfortability. You know, it's like how in the Uncanny Valley, we get so comfortable like seeing people and seeing like, uh, or taking for granted things that people do. Same thing with these characters, but, ne- but then with creepypastas, you take these things you take for granted and then you flip them and you make them like just weird. Yeah. One thing that always got me about creepypasta with, um, with Squidward Suicide is like, the fact that they switched up the eyes on Squidward oh, yeah. and somebody actually like <laughs> somebody made the picture of it as well. And as like a kid going through this, I was like freaked out for a few days. That's also another one of the really dumb common tropes. Like I've made fun of it a whole lot of times. Other people make fun of it where all you do is the way you make a creepypasta image is you just take a picture of whatever subject matter you want. So Squidward. Yeah. Then all you do is you color his eyes black. Yeah. And then give him red pupils or just leave him black and then have <laughs> make it like blood coming out of his eyes and bam, there's your creepy pasta picture. I was gonna say I, I just looked up like a link or yeah, uh, and it's Zelda always, creepy it's always just it's just black eyes and they're bleeding from their eyes, right? There was one the one that I saw was like <laughs> was white eyes and like just a bunch of red and yeah. blood everywhere. Well look it up. Look it up. I, dude, look up, uh, that's you can literally do that for anything. I, I did this joke when I was streaming on Twitch and I was drawing uh one of the uh thumbnails for the episodes. Yeah. It was one of the SpongeBob ones and when people were watching I was like, hey you guys want to see how to make this a creepy pasta? All you do is we fill in the eyes black and then just draw red lines down. I was like bam creepy pasta. <laughs> creepy creepy pasta. pasta Patrick. That's exactly it. <laughs> We we have to do an actually so nothing uh, pe- creepy pasta. Yeah, yeah. But creepy pastas, you can like, it's one of those things where like it has been applied to everything. Yeah. So if you look up uh, <laughs> fairly odd parents creepy pasta, I one hundred percent guarantee you something will somebody has made a creepy pasta. Let's for do it. it. Fairly yeah. odd parents creepy pasta. Guarantee you somebody's gonna have done it. We need like assistance to this for us. The um creepypasta word originates from copy pasta. Ah. Which is basically it just means like something that like a paragraph or something that somebody copied and pasted and then somebody was like creepy and then they took paste and made it pasta. Yeah. And then you just came up with creepy pasta. Yeah. Yeah. A a very like uncomfortable italian dish <laughs> you know creepy pasta yes you want your alfredo no i want the my creepy pasta that's pretty good with my dot exe oh yeah <laughs> if the if uh creepy looking up creepy pasta doesn't work look up whatever and then dot exe oh yeah that's that's the other thing sonic dot sonic dot exe spawned it first and then it was like pokemon and then Aladdin, yeah. I don't know. It, it's, they're so dumb. I used to be scared of them, but I'm just like, if uh, it's so weird to know. If our podcast had a had like a creepy pasta attached to it, <laughs> actually nothing. Exe. Yeah, I think I think what would happen is like it would be one of the lost recordings oh that would just God. be on your audacity that just shows up. Oh no! And then and then it uh and then you listen to it <laughs> and you go. 
It sounds pretty normal, but every time JP speaks, the voice is really messed oh, no. up. It's all bit crushed. <laughs> Why are all the voices bit crushed? Then you look bit around and makes everything scarier. You look around, everything is two D, <laughs> and it's all it's all bitty. Yeah, and you look in a mirror, and then your eyes are all black and yeah, you're crying yeah. blood. <laughs> and it's you making it on MS Paint yeah. on the mirror. Oh, yeah, I'm and drawing then, and drawing this all out as it happens. And then uh, and then Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata in eight bit <laughs> happens behind you. Yeah. And you're like i guess this is it i'll, I'll set this all up <laughs> self-promotion go check out my twitch stream when i ever i draw all the the thumbnails for it maybe i'll maybe i'll make a creepypasta it's uh twitch.tv slash hooked on rice yeah. <laughs> well, should, I, should i make that the thumbnail for this episode <laughs> like what? a dumb creepypasta yeah looking thing? i think you might as well right. yeah i mean there's lots of things that are super creepy i think like it's cool to talk about things that are creepy and you know it's, it's always fun yeah i mean like it's fun it's terrifying it the fact that it's fun just points to the fact that like well okay, hold on can i just ask you do you like being scared do you like the sensation of being scared not really okay me neither <laughs> i just wanted to, i don't know i've talked to some people that are like dude i love getting scared that's why i like going to haunted houses and stuff no and i like the feeling of my heart racing and i'm like no that just pisses me off i, I hate it I, I feel like you and i would be the type of people to like go into a haunted house and like beat the shit out of somebody who would like no i'd us. cry i'd be the little oh. girl i may have started boxing but i will 100 percent turn tail and run you're not gonna you're not gonna no, go back to your God, boxing no. roots and just i i like to believe hands. i can now <laughs> that muscle memory would kick in for that but i'm like 99 percent sure i'd just cry i remember going through a haunted house and just like being so stoked about it i was i, I didn't even play any part i was like i don't want to be scared about this so i'm just not going to be scared you just like poker faced it the whole way yeah i went like I, but I inside were it, you screaming yeah just a little <laughs> bit i was like oh, i don't want to i don't want to do this uh, i'm not liking this Everything was terrifying. Yeah. By the way, semantic little tidbit of knowledge. The difference between horrifying and terrifying is that terrifying is the feeling of being scared leading up to the scary event. And horrifying is being scared after the event. Really? Yes. Oh, that's sweet. Wow. That's like the best. And now you can reliably use them in the correct context. The actual uh, point we had for this episode was to talk about that. Yeah, it all just led up to me dropping a knowledge bomb on you guys. So now we're going to talk about that for a whole four hours. Okay? <laughs> that's Now that's terrifying. And that's going to start right 